Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Good morning to you, baseball fans. It is indeed inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. And Bruce Levine, I know you were upstairs and then in the locker room for that one last night on the south side. I was down in section 141 and feeling the buzz of 31,000 plus at Guaranteed Rate Field. It was quite something. That that ain't nothing, Matt. And Matt Spiegel, of course, uh, on the other end of the microphone here as we're with you every Saturday Talking ball between 9 and 11 o'clock at 312-644-6767. Come join us one of these days in the culinary studio. Are they allowed to? I think. You can have breakfast. and There's seats over there. I, I've never wanted Max and Benny's Kreplach more than I want it right now. <laughs> but we are with, with you talking baseball. Len Casper, the great voice of TV for the Cubs, and White Sox manager Ricky Renneria scheduled to join us today. Uh, again, uh, you join us as well anytime you want. And there is a buzz at uh, guaranteed rate. There will be all weekend long where they're expecting crowds of 35-plus uh, over the next two days, uh, weather permitting, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, How, I mean, a lot of those, of course, are, are Yankee fans or – uh, but uh, well, some of them are White Sox fans who've targeted this uh, weekend you know, just there's because. Not, there's not 35,000 people coming from New York. It, this is the the buzz about the White Sox going to 500, playing better, the young young players and pitchers performing uh, at the major league level to the satisfaction of the audience. And uh, it's nice to see. It's been a tough two and a half, three years so far. Yeah, Eloy Jimenez with two three-run bombs last night. The first coming on the first pitch against CC Sabathia, and the place just exploded. And, and then the second one just kind of put it away after the rains had started to come. It was quite a night. This uh, segment brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your home for the best food in Chicagoland. Checklist, the best deli, no doubt. The best restaurant, yes. The best bakery on the North Shore, Without question, dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Bakery goods to die for include sugar cookies, mondo bread, home-baked bagels, bialis, rye bread, challah at maxandbennies.com, private party room and business meeting area, 10 to 150 people. Catering is king at Max and Benny's. Ask for John at maxandbennies.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from Wisconsin border, Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook. Love you some good Chicago White Sox baseball. The Cubs on the road, not so good. One and four on this road trip through Colorado. 
and L.A., getting home runs, but, but not much else uh, for the most part. And I think you said it before the game, um, Bruce, if they don't get a well-pitched game by a starting pitcher, they're not winning these days. Well, and, and that's it. You know, Hamels has been the stopper uh, as of late. Uh, John Lester has been the, the, the question mark. He pitched a, an outstanding game against the Cardinals last Sunday where he gave up four runs in the first inning, struggled, and then put up some goose eggs and got through six. I thought that was one of the guttier performances I had seen all season long from any pitcher. Uh, you, you could see that he was ready to come out of that game in the second inning, and boom, uh, he pitches great. But the reality of uh, John Lester over the last six starts, an ERA close to eight, and not getting it done. So mm-hmm. there's concern with that. Uh, you know, Hendricks had a bad one. He was fantastic up until this point, you know, 6-0, and oh, I believe, in his last uh, seven starts with a an ERA under two. So um, it's going to happen, you know. Yeah, well, Hendricks last night didn't have his normal changeup, and he said as much after the game, um, and, and he said he didn't have great fastball command either. And, and I, I always think back to something we learned towards the beginning of the year, that Hendricks is a guy they love, of course, Hendricks. He can make adjustments between starts. He, he learns the game. He does his scouting reports. But in-game, if he doesn't have it, it's not something he can correct in-game. Yeah, which is you know interesting. You, you go back to what Theo Epstein said about Hendricks early in the year, and it was it was startling to hear because here you have one of the smarter people yeah. you would meet, one of the more cerebral t- types who also is very good at hearing the other person speak, including that in his thoughts, making positives out of it, and then you hear, no, he can't make an adjustment. <laughs> you know, and it's like what? You know, 150 IQ and uh, you know a great baseball IQ and has to have a visual after the game with video help from Tommy Hadovy and himself sitting there going, oh, yeah, I see that. Well, he gets so locked in mentally with his concentration during the game, and he's just trying to, to repeat, repeat, repeat those physical mechanics that if he has them wrong, he just repeats them wrong the entire time and can't make that change until between starts on that level. Interesting. 312-644-6767. Can you get texts here or not? Absolutely. 67011 right here. And there's, uh, there's some texts coming in already on a variety of things. So, yes. yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, is uh, Lucas Giolito the starting all-star pitcher if the vote? I think it goes till June 21st, the all-star vote. And mm-hmm. then, then it's up to, uh, I believe, the uh, manager of the team to pick their starting pitcher. Right. So Alex Cora will get to make his pick. And is, is there anybody, anyone besides Verlander and Giolito in the conversation right now? Those are your two. Justin Verlander's whip remains 0.73. He's ridiculous. Um, but he has done it before. He has started the All-Star game before. And Giolito uh, is, is on pace, I believe, that it will time out in terms of every fourth day for him to be ready and available for that game. And, you know, we'll see what Alex Cora wants to do and what Verlander wants to do. Remember last year, A.J. Hinch... Had it had it mapped out so Verlander and Cole were not were not factors for the All Star game, so we could save them for the second half. So we'll see. But Giolito now leads the majors and wins with ten yeah. on top of everything else. He's winning his games because he sticks around very very late in them. Guess how many games he won last year? Nine. Ten. Ten. <laughs> I mean, this has been the car everywhere he I go. He was the leader, even with all the horrible numbers where he gave up 
the most earned runs, yeah. the most walks, had an ERA of six plus, but he won the most games of any White Sox pitcher last year with ten, and had you know famously the worst ERA in the entire American League. I think all of MLB at yeah. six plus six point two nine. Here's here's the thing: this conversation has gone has followed me everywhere that I've gone um, it, it, over the past couple of days. Is there any comp for somebody going from the worst pitcher in baseball to one of the two or three best pitchers in baseball? And I'll, my answer is like, let's see, when Randy Johnson found the plate, he couldn't find the plate to save his life, and all of a sudden he could. Greg Maddox was 6-14 and 14 with a 5-6-1 right. ERA in his first full year. Yeah. yeah, Maddox. And then he went to, was he a 15-game winner in his second 18. year? 18, 18, 18 and, and 19, yeah, 18, 18 and 8 in the second year. So 6 and 14 with a 5, 6, 1. I'd say that, that, that's your comp right there. And I remember <clears throat> the adjustment that he made with pitching coach Dick Pohl, the Cubs back then. And that was he was throwing 94, uh, touching on 95, and getting his brains beat in. And they, they went through the adjustments of <clears throat> you have to stop trying to strike people out, you know. Uh, you're, you're all about uh, learning how to put an angle on all of your pitches and having them miss hit the ball. You're not a strikeout pitcher. And it didn't take him long to turn around that philosophy turning into Greg Maddox. It's, it's interesting because that's the kind of lesson we've heard right. pitchers have to learn over and over and over again and all, all through different eras having right. to learn that kind of thing. I mean, he was all of 21, you know, 22 tops mm-hmm. at that time. Giolito... A little bit uh, longer of tooth at 24, but certainly uh, a fantastic story for the White Sox. And it's a, it's a great baseball story because all the scouts that I talked to, Matt, when uh, they come into town, they saw Giolito a lot last year. And then all of a sudden, you know, I tell them, you're going to be looking at a different pitcher. And they go, what do you mean, different pitcher? I said, yeah. so this is a different guy. You're, you're not going to see him throw his sinker any longer. Uh, there's going to be a lot of chase on his fastball, and it'll be all four-seamer. You're going to see him being making in-game, early-inning adjustments if something isn't working. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's startling to see a guy who used to have burnouts and come out off the field after the first or second inning and go uh, into the fetal position to try to figure out what he can do because of the emotion was taking him over last year. Here you have one of the most confident pitchers in the league right now. Yeah, it's really, it's really amazing, and it is a very, very different guy. Arietta, folks are saying Jake Arietta. Arietta was not a full-time starter who was as bad as Giolito was last year. And he was also the opening day starter for the Orioles, I believe, in 2013. Uh, so there was already great belief in him when he started to fail in Baltimore and was combined in that trade mm-hmm. for Feldman with uh, one of the great trades in Chicago Cub history. Giolito is the ninth White Sox pitcher to start a season 10-1 and one and has a 1.67 ERA since the last time he lost. This is from Scott Merkin on MLB.com. His ERA overall you is double check that. His, his, <laughs> his ERA overall is two point two two, and it, it's just it, it's quite something. It's amazing that there's still textures every once in a while like this guy. I know everyone wants to give Giolito the Cy Young, but eight of those twelve games 
uh, of his starts were against Kansas City, Cleveland, and Toronto. What, right. what, what's your point? Well, and then last, <laughs> last, last night is the Yankees. Last night you'll say, they'll say, oh, yeah, but uh, no Stanton, no, no Judge. Stanton and Judd were at AAA uh, rehabbing. So Whatever. It, it, it still counts, doesn't it? These are MLB hitters, yeah. and he did this once in Houston, too. It's like, and just, just watch the way he's making people look silly and how he's doing it from start to start to start to start. It's going to be great theater on Wednesday when he pitches against the Cubs as well. So. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. I was on with McNeil and Parkins yesterday, Bruce, and it was supposed to be Nola, or, or sorry, uh, Nova and Lester lined up for Wednesday. And I said, what if we get Hendricks and Giolito? Because Giolito they want to keep on four days, and, right. and now that's officially announced. That'll yeah. be Giolito. Yeah, Nova's going to pitch on, uh, on Tuesday against the Cubs. And, and, and couldn't you see possibly Hendricks going on four days rest? They'll, they'll buy an extra day of rest for John and, Lester might, here? You know, two off days. Both teams have off days on Monday, uh-huh. so... We'll see how it works. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about the fact that the Cubs pitching staff has done a lot better uh, on that extra day rest when they've had it. They haven't had too much of it lately, but when they did, uh, there was a significant notice of improvement. And I think it, John Lester is somebody that they'll look at for a little bit more rest down the line. 670-11 is how you can text us. 312-644-6767 to call us and get involved. We were talking about Lucas Giolito Talking about the collective confidence that happens when a team starts to feel it, when the White Sox are winning games in some of the ways that they have. And 500 is a big deal to them. It's a big deal to them in that clubhouse. Listen to Giolito give voice to the uh, collective confidence as it has built and where it stands right now for the White Sox. I think we can be one of the best teams in the league. We, we 100% have the talent. We have more talent on the way uh, developing in the minor leagues. The sky's the limit for us, absolutely. Do you feel that this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, if we continue to play the way we're playing, um, you know, starting pitching, getting more consistent, that's that's a big thing that, that I've been saying is a huge part of our success. Um, then, you know, we continue to win games and put ourselves in a good spot at the end of the year. All right, so you're buying that last part? Well, you know, he did throw in the, if we get better pit, better pitching. So, obviously, it can't pitch much better than he's pitched. Uh-huh. So he's saying, you know, if the other guys, you know, show up, we can do it, you know, but... I don't see any reason for them not to feel positive about where they're at right now. Matt, this is the first time that they're 500 this late in the season since uh, July of 2016 when the White Sox started out that year. I think it was uh, 23 and 10, mm. and they were in first place for a, for that first month or you know six weeks, and then they went down the tubes. Uh, pretty soon afterwards, they were starting to talk rebuild and uh, reshuffling and starting to move off some of their veteran pitchers. Yeah, it's, they, they haven't finished a season over 500 since 2012, and it's once in the last nine years. Is that, that bad? I think so. I think so. Whether they were trying or not, they weren't finishing yeah, over they 500. Were, they, were, they, they were in first place 111 days, I believe, that in year. 2012. Yep. When, uh, that was Robin's first year as a manager. They won 85 games, but they... They, they choked it out uh, against Detroit in their last three series against them uh, late in the season and ended up a distant uh, second place that year. Bruce, do you think that, Bruce Levine, do you think the windows are going to overlap with these this, with the White yeah, Sox and the Cubs? That's a great question, Matt. That's a wonderful question because, in reality, um, everything for the Chicago Cubs pointed 2021 back toward where we are today, Okay. Epstein's contract's up in 2021. Rizzo, Baez, 
Schwarber, Bryant, all their contracts 2021. Uh, they have signed Kimbrell through 2021. <laughs> so, so that's their window. And it's, it's two and a half years, and it's three years of commitment. It sounds like um, a long time, but it isn't. And where are the White Sox at now? Are, are they building toward that point where next year – uh, they're an even better team with a more solid pitching staff and more predictable young pitchers that are on that staff. And 2021, the year that uh, that the White Sox start to add free agents or make the trades in reverse, trading young people for veteran players that they can hold on to to fill the uh, important spots on their club. Yeah, so I think you're looking at two years of overlap here. Potential for two years of overlap when people can dream of a crosstown series. Matt, this will probably be the most significant Cubs Sox series since maybe 2008. If you if you look at the standings and where the teams have been at, matters for both of them in that sense. Yeah, I mean the, the White Sox are on the move, hopefully moving above and beyond 500 if they can, and that's not that's not that's pro- projectable but not predictable. And the Cubs are, you know, coming back uh, from a bad ho- road trip. Uh, maybe they'll win these next two and even it out a bit. But at the present time here, you know, they've uh, they're two and ten in their last twelve road games, and they have lost the first two in L.A. L.A. is certainly the class of the National League, if not all of Major League Baseball, along with Houston, as you said. Um, you know, so you know, where are these teams going, and is this an important series, even though it's only a two-gamer for both the Cubs and Sox. It should be fun. That's for sure. There should be some some nice buzz there. A Cub fan via text is requesting that the White Sox go ahead and skip Giolito's start this time around. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, this... The the guy has has gotten it done with the help of James McCann against everybody. He had that odd win against the Cubs last year where he threw uh, two wild pitches, walked five or six... Gave up four, I think five runs in the first three innings and won the game at Wrigley Field. That that was a an, an odd performance that he won last year. It's a different pitcher right now. Uh, when we come back, uh, the bottom of the hour, Len Casper, the top of the next hour, Ricky Renneria, the manager of the White Sox. Your calls always at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 670-11. He'll read all that's worthy to air. Later on in the show, um, do we have some some definition or a little more clarity on what might happen with Ben Zobrist? And we should talk about the home runs and, uh, that are everywhere. And is it time for... Show Madden to change that lineup to a more conventional lineup. We'll talk all that. This hour on the score being brought to you by the Grand Geneva Resort and Spa, home of the Brute and the Highlands Championship Golf Course is GrandGenevaGolf.com. It's inside the clubhouse. Dial it up and get involved. 312-644-6767 right here on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome. 
Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670. The score, bottom of the hour, is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, the Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves. would like to thank their loyal fans for making this 25th anniversary so special. Thank you, and see you in October. Bruce, you teased something about decision-making or Joe Madden or something. I don't remember. I would like uh, the conventional lineup to return to the north side of Chicago. So I'm... Uh, I'm providing you with a different type of lineup that I would prefer hmm. to see uh, the Cubs use more of the conventional way that uh, some of the lineups are based. So from the perspective of, you know, looking at the, the Cub lineup, uh, I would prefer Almora and Cargo leading off. Almora and, or, or Carlos Cargo. Gonzalez. Right. I would, look, I would prefer Baez batting second. I would like Rizzo third, Bryant fourth, Schwarber, Contreras, Hayward, right or center field, depending on the day, if uh, Elmore and Cargo were going. Russell ninth pitcher, uh, Russell eighth pitcher ninth. So the the problem for me, Matt, is that uh, Rizzo and Bryant are your two main guys that are pounding the ball right now. I need some people in place ahead of them to drive in. They're driving in themselves too often at this point. Two-run homer for Rizzo last night. But, you know, this is the idea of, of hitting Bodie ninth and the pitcher eighth is that maybe you get one yeah, more I mean, guy you know, there Bode in Bodie plays instead of Russell, you know, I guess. But, you know, uh, ideally, Amore is not a great on-base percentage guy. Certainly, Baez is not. But that doesn't prevent Baez from being that, that guy that uh, can – have that type of um, at-bat for you to put a point on the board, and you still have Rizzo, Brian Schwarber, the meat of your order, ready to drive in some runs. Joe would argue we're going to have our best hitters hit as often as possible, right. higher in the order, and we're not changing. But I think the more conventional way is they've got to find someone else to lead off. Well, uh, and Schwarber's it, done a good job. I think Schwarber's done a good job. I think Schwarber has looked good. Uh, I think his at-bats have looked good. I, I think Baez is right where he ought to be in terms of cleanup, and I like Bryant too. But, you know, we can discuss, and let's, let's get another mind on this as well. As we bring in the voice on TV from, for the Chicago Cubs, our good friend Len Casper, who does great work on the score as well for every game that we broadcast here, joining us from L.A. Good morning, Lenny. Hey, Bruce, Matt, how are you guys? We're doing good. Are you up? I mean, you know, you were, you were out there a little later, and, uh, you know, did you get enough sleep for one night? Well, you know, you sleep uh, after the season. Uh, that's <laughs> the way I always look at it. Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm good to go. Happy to be on with you guys. And uh, it's been a tough stretch here. Uh, we knew this would be a, a difficult road trip. It's never easy to play in Colorado, and uh, the Dodgers have the best record in the National League, and they've they've shown the Cubs why here the last two days. Yeah, you know, they talked about it. Theo talked about it as a road trip that they circled way back when. Like, all right, this will be an interesting moment to kind of see where they are. They've already made their big decision with Kimbrel, um, so I'm not sure what else it's going to affect. Uh, but this is not the kind of showing they expected. What, what have been the issues, you think, for the most part with the offense, if, if we were to look there? What do you think the issues are these days with the offense? Well, you know, it's weird because 
when you look at the first two games, almost carbon copies, you get out to, to early leads and then watch the Dodgers hit you know, more home runs than you hit, basically. Um, I, I was listening to, to your conversation just before you had me on. Uh, they've, they've lost on home runs, right? So right. Uh, I, I guess in the end, they probably should have hit a couple more and, and maybe would have had a chance to win. You know, it's 2019 baseball uh, in a nutshell. I think it's been difficult to manufacture runs or to start a rally. Uh, the Dodgers pitch really well. You know, they, they've had the best rotation in the league. Uh, their bullpen has not been great ahead of Kenley Jansen, uh, although they really haven't needed a lot of that bullpen uh, in this series. Uh, you know, you don't want to make too much out of what's happened in the first two games. The Cubs did uh, beat the Dodgers two out of three in April uh, at Wrigley Field. But um, I think right now, offensively, they're just kind of in a stretch where uh, they haven't had a lot of chances outside of those home runs. And uh, that that makes it look a little flat, I guess, offensively. Um, you know, ideally you have two or three guys red hot, all at the same time, and right now they don't really have that. Uh, Chris Bryant's had a couple of really good games. Uh, Schwarber's hit some big home runs on this road trip, but they haven't had you know, three guys kind of carry them, and really in this series the Dodgers have had that. The voice of the Cubs on television, Len Casper, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's mad on Bruce. We're with you every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball from 9 to 11. Lenny, you know, we, you heard me talk about a, a change of the lineup, and certainly there's no one ideal to lead off. Schwarber's done a good job there. But from the, from the, the idea that, okay, you have to homer to win these days, that, that's, that's not what we've heard from the Cubs uh, from the beginning of the year on. We, we've heard that their approach has been better. We saw a better approach uh, early on in the first eight weeks where they were moving the ball from left to right field and hitting doubles and and creating run scoring situations. Uh, wh- where has that gone, and do you think uh, they can get back to it? Because uh, a- as you said, they are a home run hitting team, but they can be out homered. Yeah, um, I-, I think lineup wise, I-, I like Schwarber at the top. Uh, I don't really think that the lineup construction is is an issue. Uh, the pitcher eighth or ninth, I think, is probably a push either way. Joe just likes the look sometimes uh, with the pitcher batting eighth and, and Bodie or Russell hitting ninth. Um, I think they've faced better pitching. I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, the Dodgers with Kershaw and Hill, two veteran guys uh, who know what they're doing, and they got to them early. I think the biggest thing is they just, you know, maybe haven't added on when they've had the opportunity. They got two against Kershaw. Uh, on Thursday night, but they had him up against the ropes, and it felt like they should have maybe gotten more. Um, so you just go through these stretches where, where you're not you know, putting together those big innings. Now, they did it in Colorado uh, the other day, but it has definitely felt like all or nothing in terms of those innings where you know, it's walk, single, double, home run, double, single. You know, they've had a few of those innings this year, uh, but it has felt, I guess, inconsistent at times. Uh, the overall for me is this offense has been pretty good. Uh, the rotation has been generally pretty good. Uh, I think the bullpen has, has had a bad month of June. Um, but this is a very good team, and right now you just want to make sure that, for instance, this weekend you don't get swept. 
Just make sure that you know you at least get one of the next two. It would be ideal if you could split this series. Uh, the schedule gets a little bit better because you're going to be at home uh, for the next week and a half after this. Uh, the Braves certainly are formidable. The White Sox are playing good baseball right now. Um, but I just think when you're playing really good teams, uh, you're, you're going to have those moments, especially on the road. Yeah, Cubs ERA for the starting pitchers on the year is third in the National League. But those Dodgers almost a run better. It's crazy how much better that rotation is than just about everybody else. Hey, Len, what do we make of this that the, for the offense, that the Cubs are 24th in baseball in fly ball rate, right? But they're fifth in home runs. So... I guess a pretty big percentage of their fly balls are, are, are going for home runs. But I just find it interesting coming after the, the talk about the offense being broken and Theo was so upset about the ground balls versus the fly balls in the second half of last year and they come in talking situationally. I, what do we make of, of that disparity, if anything? That's, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, if you had asked me to guess on what their fly ball rate is. Uh, I would have put them certainly in the top half. Right. But it tells you about the launch angle revolution around baseball, doesn't it? Yeah, everybody's doing it. Yeah. Uh, where do the do- – do you, know, you have the list? I, I, I can look it up. I think the Twins were number one, but I'll look it up. I'm sure they are. Yeah, and I would bet the, the Dodgers rank yeah. pretty yeah. high as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, they do have some guys uh, who, who hit the ball on the ground more often than maybe you'd like them to. But, uh, you know, I feel like um, – and I'd be curious to know, like, Hayward's line drive rate, I feel like, is pretty good. Um, Certainly not as fly I, ball. I, 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 I look at this offense, guys, and I just – I, I don't think that it is anywhere close to what we saw in the second half last year. Uh, I think we've seen market improvement in terms of consistency uh, from Schwarber, from Hayward, from Contreras, even from Almora, who had a slow start. Uh, but has been better of late. Uh, you know, you haven't had any performances where someone's hitting, you know, 170 over the last six weeks or so. I think everyone's had their little moments and flourishes. Uh, but as I said, you know, you, ideally you have two or three guys who are just red hot and in their best stretch of the year, and they can carry the club before the other guys get hot. The other one is, is Cargo. Carlos Gonzalez, I, I think, has looked pretty good here. Uh, in the first couple of weeks as a Cub. And I think Joe likes the outfield with against right-handed pitching with uh, Schwarber, Hayward, Gonzalez. Uh, he's, I think he's got something left in his bat. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be the guy he was in Colorado, uh, but he'll give you a good at bat. He will take some walks, and he certainly can hit some home runs. The Dodgers are 10th in fly ball rate. The Mariners and the Twins are, are at the top, followed by the Blue Jays, the A's, the Tigers, the Nats. Astros are up there, Red Sox, Indians. So yeah, there's, you named about uh, seven out of eight American League teams. Yeah, yeah there's a ton. Mm-hmm. But that, that home runs per fly ball, the, the Cubs are, are, are second to the Brewers in that. So mm. that's how we get there. Len, Len Casper joining us for a few more minutes from L.A. Lenny, uh, could I change your mind if, if the Cubs could go out and get themselves a player that could get on base and uh, lead off um, from another club. Let's say an Ender Inciarte is available and healthy and uh, they, the Cubs can make a trade for him. Would, would that be? Would that change your mind about having him at the top of the order uh, playing more center field and uh, kind of changing the dynamic of the offense? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I... 
I, I don't think that, you know, and I wouldn't say that Schwarber is the only guy who can do it. And if your point is you want Schwarber more in a run-producing situation mm-hmm. and take more advantage of his, of his power, uh, I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I go back to your point earlier, Bruce. I think Joe's main thing is just get his best hitters, guys who take walks especially, uh, as close to the top of the order as possible. And right now that's, that's Schwarber. Uh, really, the guy who's been their best leadoff hitter the last two or three years has been Rizzo. Right. Uh, but I think we all agree you like, you like Rizzo sitting there at number three behind uh, the leadoff hitter who is Schwarber at this point, and then Bryant. And I think for Joe it also is really simple. Left, right, left, right, sometimes left, right. You know, he, he, he likes to have that platoon advantage where somebody can't bring in that situational guy uh, and face back-to-back hitters who hit from the same side. So sometimes it's just as simple uh, as that, really, more than anything else. And right now I think he feels good about uh, that dynamic in the lineup near the top. Len, uh, you Darvish against his former mates out there. What do we expect? It has been against Walker Bueller, by the way. Really fun matchup in terms of stuff you got uh, coming up coming up tonight. Um, I think Darvish has looked calm and confident and and comfortable over the last say five or six starts. Uh, do do we expect to see that tonight? Sure, hope so. Uh, it will be a fascinating matchup. I think the uh, reminder. Uh, to Darvish before he takes the mound is whatever he hears from the crowd. It's all you, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, Dave Roberts said uh, yesterday he expected a mixed reaction uh, for Darvish from the Dodger fans. As we know, he did not have a good World Series a couple of years ago uh, at the end of his very short Dodger tenure. Um, but he's pitched better on the road than he has at Wrigley Field, so hopefully that continues tonight and pitching on a mound that uh, he has been on a few times before. Having watched him for a little while, do you think he's easily distracted? Uh, I mean, we know he has got great stuff. Uh, Certainly his arm is fully back from the Tommy John of two and a half or three years ago. But when when he does start to uh, either show the propensity for coming out or uh, giving up, some uh, runs and being distracted. Do you you feel uh, there is a distraction, and is it notice, noticeable to you, somebody that watches all his games? Not necessarily. I, I think for him, you know, he's really honest uh, about his performances and maybe too hard on himself sometimes. Uh, I think it comes back to confidence. I do think we've seen a more confident pitcher as the season has moved along. Uh, he has been able to work out of some jams. Uh, I like the performance he had at Wrigley when Joe basically needed him to, to go as deep as he possibly could. He gave up a lot of runs, but he got the game into the eighth inning. Uh, he didn't walk anybody in his last start in Colorado. So, you know, it, it hasn't been perfect by any stretch. Uh, and and there will be a six-inning start. We'll give up four like he did in his last one, but he left with the game tied. Uh, right now, you know, he is not pitching like a top-of-the-rotation guy. That's no question. Um, but I think every five days that he takes the ball, I think you have more confidence that he can get you into the middle of the game uh, and keep your team in it. And, and really, uh, that's been the next step. And now, beyond that, you want to have a couple of really dominating starts, right? You want to have the 12 or 13 strikeout, two-walk, 
seven-inning, one-run performance. That's the next step for you, Darvish. He's done it a lot in the past. He just hasn't done it consistently yet in a Cub uniform. Nice shout-out to Matt last night with Toto. I didn't know uh, he, he was that involved with Toto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's a, it's a real personal group and song for him, so we wanted to make sure uh, we gave him a shout-out. Uh, yeah, my, my Twitter interactions have been a blast since then. You can hear Len Casper <laughs> do a pregame interview every day on the score before the Cub games, and also tomorrow night you'll uh, listen to him uh, do the fifth inning as well as a postgame interview Anything I'm leaving out, Lenny? I think that's it. Uh, should I interview Mary Hart at some point this weekend? I would, I would love that. I, I think you need to find an after-hours party in the Hollywood Hills, maybe Laurel Canyon, where you're playing bass in a, in a jam session with David Crosby or something like that. Can you arrange that, Len? Wow, I've got one night to do it. Uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> Get on it. Lenny, thanks for getting up and uh, taking some time with us today. Uh, have a great rest of the weekend. We'll see you when you get home on Tuesday. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Len. Len Casper, the voice of the Chicago Cubs on television and an interesting guy, way beyond uh, just a broadcaster, a music aficionado, a uh, guy that uh, I've had long uh, discussions about. We we rarely agree on on anything which makes it even more fun. Uh, There you go. And uh, and respectfully so. Oh, absolutely. I've seen it happen. Oh, it's it's fun. Rick Renteria, the manager for the Chicago White Sox, is going to join us at the top of the hour. It's a good moment for White Sox fans, isn't it? Absolutely. And you can join us and get in the mix at 312-644-6767. Continue to text Matt at 6711. We have to take a break. We'll come back and take all your calls, Cubs, Sox, everything baseball. It's 670 The Score. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is Inside the Clubhouse. Bottom of the hour, by the way, is brought to you by Campland RV. Head on over to Campland RV for their 58th anniversary sale. Now through the end of June, find great deals on RVs and campers. Campland RV, RV buying made easy. Just a short drive off I-94 in northwest Indiana. We, uh are all marveling at uh, Lucas Giolito. Let's get uh, some input from out there as John in Rolling Meadows would uh, like to talk to us a little bit about uh, Lucas Giolito and the 500 White Sox. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, the White Sox, what can you say? You know, they take the first two from uh, the Yankees, uh, Jimenez, two home runs last night. The Yankees can't wait to get away from him. Uh, the ball club is playing well. They're getting the confidence that a young ball club needs at this point in order to move on. And Lucas, once again, I mean, come on, this guy doesn't give up anything. He, he strikes people out. He's only given up five home runs this year. Yep. And his next outing is John, at Wrigley Field. Uh, does this make you want to come out from Rolling Meadows and maybe buy seven or eight uh, ball games this year? It's a long ride. Uh, will, does this entice you as a fan? Um, I've already seen him pitch once this year against Kansas City. Very impressive. Uh, I'm talking about just the team itself. Uh, just the what? I'm sorry. Watching the team. Coming out to watch oh. the White Sox. Oh, Yeah. Definitely, um, definitely. I'm, I'm even thinking about getting um, one of those mini season ticket things at this point, just to be able to catch the ball club 
play some games against teams that you wouldn't think they'd have a chance against, like the Yankees and, you know, Boston and whoever else they see. Um, but uh, I'll have Brooks Boyer I, call you after, I think, after this. <laughs> I think uh, this kid is absolutely the ace of Chicago right now. He's proven that he's not afraid to pitch against anybody. Um, he puts the ball exactly where he wants it. And uh, he gets results, and with McCann behind the plate, I mean, there you go. I mean, yeah. McCann's having it's, a great it's year. It's been a great combination. John, thank you so much for your call. 312-644-6767. We expect to talk to Ricky Renteria in just a few minutes and more Cubs and Sox talk all the way up to 11 o'clock when Rosie sits down with our good friend Matt here and does – their usual thing. You know what it felt like in the press box. I know what it felt like in the stands. Let's find out from Ricky what last night the buzz in the ballpark felt like in the dugout. We'll do that next on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.